right, man. Here we are again for episode 26 on Crow 777 Radio Podcast. Um, and actually, in the episode, you're going to hear me say it's episode 25 a number of times. This will, in fact, be episode 26. Um, I shuffled the order a little bit, and I didn't realize that I already had episode 25 posted. I was losing track there. Anyhow, it's going to be a great episode. I finally got the Jungle Surfer, um, the man down under, or maybe it's simply across the way. Um, Who knows, but I'm sure we'll know at some point. Anyhow, um, this should be a very good episode. Uh, There are a few people that I follow that manage to challenge me in ways that I'm not only not prepared for, but when I begin to look at what's being said... um, I really have to work at catching up to what's being said. Jungle Surfer has always been one of those channels. Um, There's no glitz and glamour there. There's no video production. It's information, and much of it no-nonsense information. And uh, the fact is, occasionally uh, things will get said where you're just all, wait a minute here, but if you've come far enough down the road to keep an open mind, you can benefit from a channel like that. On the other hand, if you've already made up your mind about everything, Uh, When someone pulls your chain, you're probably going to shut down, and then you don't benefit at all. Anyhow, I actually had to go. Here's an interesting thing. I had to go to the the dentist this week, and uh, it was the first time I'd been to this new dentist on the East Coast, and I walked in, and the first thing I said was, no fluoride. Do not put fluoride in my mouth. Um, And I have done this with three other dentists, and each time it's been like this big old fight. Well, why not? The only reason Americans have good teeth is because of fluoride. Don't you know people in Britain don't have fluoride and their teeth are all this nonsense. But yesterday or the day before when I did it, um, the response was, okay, um, can I ask why? And I said, yeah, because it's not good for you. Um, And she said, okay, cool. So I asked, do a lot of people come in these days? And here's the good part of this story. She said, actually, there are more and more people all the time coming into that dentist um, saying, please do not put fluoride in my mouth. And I thought, now there's some progress. And it's a bit ironic. I had to go into the dentist because maybe three, four years ago in San Diego, I was still having my remaining fillings that had mercury in them. Uh, removed and replaced with non-mercury fillings. And this led to me having to go there yesterday because one of the teeth was left with a thin wall from having had a filling removed and all the mercury out. But, I mean, doesn't this really tell the tale? People have known that mercury is poison for as long back as history goes. They've known it. It's actually where the statement uh, from Alice in Wonderland, mad as a hatter, because during hat making, I guess mercury fumes would get into the hat makers and make them crazy. In other words, here we've had dentists for decades putting mercury, damn mercury, in your mouth. And uh, at some point, someone made the decision that that was okay. Fact is, that was never okay. The only reason I'm pointing this out is because we have reached a time in history, if we want to use that word, where your silence is actually consent. If you do not pay attention and you do not say, yes, I will participate in this, or no, I won't participate in this, or what are you doing to me? Please don't do that to me. If you say nothing, it is a form of consent in the modern age. As a matter of fact, I will be covering 9-11 for the first time in depth in a, in a show very soon. 
Um, I haven't talked much about it, you know, offhand remarks here and there the whole time I've been on YouTube. Um, I've treated it as what it was, a lie, a hoax. But this is case in point for silence being consent. What we see is this big occult production that was 9-11 put together. All the code is there. All the tricky names, all the dates, all the everything is in plain sight for those who have eyes to see. And yet what happened was, in this occult kind of mindset that backed that whole thing, there is actually a Crowley-esque idea. Whether or not Crowley was a real man, we can demonstrate that people like the Beatles put him on album covers. The idea of Crowley exists, if nothing else. But there was this Crowley-esque idea that if the lesser of us, the slave class, the non-illuminated masters that need to rule this place from the Luciferian concepts that they run by, um, that silence is consent. In other words, if you do not stand up and say, what the hell just happened here? Explain to me how those buildings came down. Explain to me all these problems and lies and anomalies that we see, and yet that's not what happened. And so for these Luciferian kind of overlords that follow these kind of Crowley-esque Luciferian ideals where, uh, the, the, let me just say this, it, it appears to me the main idea behind the, the Luciferian mindset at its base, very simply put, and I'll get into this more when I do the 9-11 episode, is this, Lucifer stood up to God who did us all wrong. He was brave and he did this great thing at great risk to himself for all of humankind. That's kind of a very bridged, in a nutshell, not very complete version, but that's the idea behind it. It goes on to say, and was echoed in the supposed work of people like Crowley, whether or not they were actually real people, that there needs to be a time when these kind of Luciferian, do what you will, and let that be the whole of the law people who are considered enlightened, will be the ruling class and everyone else a slave. That is the actual stated mindset of the kind of one world government, one world order. These supposed Luciferian enlightened masters over everyone else with the simple rule, what they want to do is the law, basically is what it breaks down to. For those of you who remember back to the old rock and roll days, Led Zeppelin's fourth album, is it? I'm not sure. I think it's the fourth album that had Stairway to Heaven on it. On the center of that vinyl record was the Crowley maxim, do what thou will, that will be the whole of the law. I'm not saying that quite right, but anyone can look it up to see the proper way to say it. That was actually inscribed on the center of Zeppelin IV. I know this because I had a copy. I know this because I remember reading it thinking, what is this as an impressionable teenager? Um, anyhow... This is going to be a great episode uh, with the Jungle Surfer. I've been trying to get him for a long time. The time offset is not easy from the, the, the east coast of the United States to Australia. There's a, you know, it, it just ends up where one of us is early in the morning or one of us is late at night, this kind of thing. But, again, I will have another episode coming, and either the next one or the following one will be the 9-11 episode. And I will delve into the whole kind of occult, encoded nonsense that was 9-11, and I will try to further cover, if I have it on my mind as I do this, the idea of silence being consent. We have reached a tipping point, my friends, my listeners. 
If you see something that is not right and you choose to remain quiet about it, you are in essence consenting to allow that thing to happen in the modern age. So much of what we see is based on, we did this thing, but nobody complained, so we'll do it again. Or we'll do whatever we want, because nobody seems to be saying anything about it. So there we are. Episode 26, coming at you with the Jungle Surfer. Let's jump in. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. Uh, This will serve as episode 25, I believe. And... uh, pretty excited i've got the jungle surfer finally uh, we're continents apart if there is such a thing and it's a uh, it's a heck of a thing to try to speak with someone when you're in the united states to get them in australia because the time offset is a bit brutal there but anyhow man welcome sir hey gown eh? so uh Let's let's yeah, let's just jump right into it um what what have you been looking at lately what are you researching these days well, been really working on the new coax, of course. It's been the uh, defining moment of the last year, I think, you know, as that uh, really came to us all in bigger and bigger pieces, I guess. You know, the last really about three years, and it's just built up to where we see not only the nuke bombs, but the nuke energy, the radiation and so many other stories, and then how it links, of course, directly to Rocketdyne and the rocket hoax and the um, overall space hoax. So it's been no surprise, really, but it's just been quite stunning to see how broad the lies have been, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a mind-blower, but i got to ask, you know, for me, the whole nuclear thing... Uh, what got me looking at it was when they started making these TV shows from like Chernobyl. Um, what was it that got you looking at that so carefully? I think it was just, you know, when we were first starting to watch the uh, YouTube videos and you were just looking around and I was starting to look at things, I guess, a bit, you know, harder. And I, I did see some of those ones that showed those fake explosions, you know, and I think that video was first made in 2006 and even some were made in the 90s um and just from that and you know you don't accept it straight away i mean something of it i liked but it just took a bit once we saw the utah utah island hoax i guess that was a real defining moment for me and the Gaddafi um business with the dummy once you realize they use dummies and and you started to think, oh, hang on, you know, what was it? What was that nuclear thing I watched a year or so ago? I probably watched it in 2009, I'm thinking. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, sorry, man, we got a delay, but it's kind of a funny thing. I wanted to mention this. It's almost like the truth wants to get out um, because there's these synchronicities keep happening. Like you were talking about um, an old propaganda film called House in the Middle. And the funny thing was, is I went to your channel, you were doing a clip on it, it was like the day before or maybe the day before that, they actually ran that on late night TV here, and I had recorded it um, because I had been looking at the new coax. And, um, I, I mean, talk about that for a minute. You broke apart House in the Middle, and when you when you go back and you see a propaganda film like this, it kind of blows my mind that people don't understand what they're looking at. Yeah, that that one was 
That was unbelievable, wasn't it? They said by the type of paint you use, it's going to help your, your house, uh, you know, withstand nuclear. And of course, the uh, Dulux Paint Company, etc. Well, they're going to benefit there, aren't they? People are going to run out tomorrow and say, "Look, Martha, we're going to paint the house because." You know, they got these nuclear weapons and a well-painted house ain't going to burn. It was a tidy your streets campaign they had. And you can see that going on in the 50s after that had all that with the war bit of sending so much stuff overseas for whatever was going on there, as we know, all the fraud involved in that. And I guess, you know, that was their next uh, way of getting, you know, scout movements and people... Uh, in all different, you know, Lions Club type rotary, you know, all the different charitable come organisations that do things, let's call it that, you know, to go out and do these things. It was all with the nuclear fear business. So it has a lot of, uh, just so many things can run off the one thing, eh? That's that's what I've been, you know, studying, I suppose, a bit with it. It's just, you know, how you start with this lie and then you use it to uh, create, you know, people painting their houses. Well, at some point, I had sent you a link to a website of some guy who had pretty much just compiled almost all the nuclear blast footage um, that you could get your hands on. It was a long time ago, I don't know, maybe six months or more ago that I put it on your on your YouTube page. But House in the Middle, um, I went and found it, and as I began to break it down, uh, it's one of those ones where you can really begin to see the video trickery. Um, do you notice, did you break them down in that way at all to see how, you know, you get this blast and then for, I don't know, a frame or two, everything is white, and you can tell there's an edit point there? Oh, yeah, the terrible edit points and use of models some bits of, you know, real things, like there was obviously three little houses in that one that looked more like, but then you don't know that you don't, for a minute, then suddenly looking models of the houses, you know right. what I mean, when you have an edit cut like that. And, of course, you would have been, you know. Yeah, what's what's crazy about House in the Middle to me is, first of all, you're going to present that there's three houses, one that's painted right, one that's painted wrong, and then the house that's got trash all around it. So when you stage this to film it, you have to be sure that the two you want to burn catch fire. And so that's where I kept, I froze it right there as it's all happening. And you can really kind of tell uh, the trickery in that. Uh, it, it's pretty blatantly obvious. Yeah, that's right. And that's why they'll use models a lot for certain parts of the scene so they can control the result because if the models uh, don't, perform like they want they can trick them up again it's only models gone down too so you know you're going to get a bit of a mixture every time in well, the uh footage you know well i want what, what real so, to what it, that's what i've been noticing a lot crow actually is how you know and you see that with the use of all these green screens today too where it, you know nearly nothing needs to be real but i guess somebody still to go and shoot some uh real footage to use as a background and stuff as well. And, you know, back in the day, they would have built, you know, life-size things like the Saturn rocket. But then a lot of the launches are going to be modeled down, obviously. They're not going to launch that big thing, you know. 
You know, it's a funny thing. I noticed that not too long ago on your channel, you ran that thing uh, from the company that's a green screen company that does crisis events. And, you know, I think you showed one of the, the pieces where there's like a cruise ship um, and it shows it, you know, being bombed or blowing up or catching fire or something like this. And it's all done with CGI and green screen. Um, you, <clears throat> excuse me. You come to a point where you begin breaking down things like nukes, nuclear energy, rocket launches, um, whether or not we went to the moon. And for me, I became started to come to the conclusion that the powers that be don't have nearly the ability or power that they are projecting. In other words, they're convincing us that they have a lot more technical ability and power than they actually do. It almost seems to me like the biggest weapon they wield is psychological, you know, screwing with us in a psychological way to get us to believe that they can send rockets or have nukes or any of these things. I mean, do you think there's any truth to that? Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's a pretty good summation of something they're doing here because certainly, you know, you, me, and so many others have grown up now a generation and a half nearly of people, it sort of is, you know, from the people who were 30 or 40 at the time. You know, I guess the older people, you know, when it was all happening in the 50s and 60s, the older 50 to 60-year-old people thought, oh, newfangled stuff, and they might have seen through it a bit more. But, you know, all that youth, you know, the baby boomer youth, they just loved it, didn't they? They made those uh, Tyco toy company and Mattel and, uh, all the other toy companies making things and in yep. synchro Hollywood bringing it out and uh, getting us all ready for the big show, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, it's. Was, it... Were you at school Are you, uh, at the time? Yeah, absolutely. But but let me let me ask you about this. This is something that plays exactly into what you just said. That generation of people that was old enough in the 1970s and 1980s to have real fond memories of that time. Have you noticed lately that they are putting out just endless shows, even the new Star Wars movie, that all they're doing, there's no substance. They're just leveraging off people's fond memories of particularly the 1980s, but to some degrees the 1970s. Have you noticed this? Oh, yeah, that's that's a big thing. There doesn't seem to be anything new they can create now. I guess we're going through that sort of stage in history of some sort, eh? A cultural sort of meltdown and, and just stagnation in a certain way, I think. And they're looking so hard to have some new edge, you know, something new. And they can't give us a new, you know, remember the yo-yo people or something? I think that's all finished, isn't it? Yeah. Yo-yo, you know, the craze is all that that they were able to muster up in the 50s, 60s. But, look, they've got this social media thing going, and as you can see, they're pumping that hard. It's That's even now highlighted in hoaxes. It's hardly a hoax goes by that Facebook or Twitter aren't involved in the hoax. How was that one with the nightclub that said... Uh, you know, the uh, nightclub had put on its Facebook page telling people to get out of the club. I <laughs> couldn't yell out, you know, how big was the club that they need to put it on Facebook. <laughs> and it was actually a really toy-sized club that they said was much bigger. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of emblematic of the control, the psychological control? Because 
when you've convinced a whole society that if you want to say something or vent or you're unhappy with something, you just go to Facebook and you talk about it. But the end result of that is that people never actually do anything. They never go outside. They never truly protest. They never stand up against anything. They sit down at their keyboard and they say, I don't like this. I'm angry, you know? Oh, yeah, that's why I, you know, would never try and lead a revolution of social media to try and change things. You get more and more and more research you do and the more you see so many, you know, true for channels and the whole business, you just realise it's all just one big game and, you know, it's better. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to suggest. Yeah. It's, it's all coming apart, though. You know, what's going to happen here, and we already see it, is that social media, your freedom of speech, the things you're going to be allowed to talk about, how your hit counts are delivered, all these things are contrived and controlled. Um, and like with YouTube Heroes is a prime example where they're flying it up for the flagpole for the first time to see if they can get people who use YouTube to buy into ratting out their neighbor and, you know, flagging their videos. But what I noticed about that immediately is if they implement something like that, you know damn well that there's probably going to be very few actual human beings and they'll just slide all their little Autobots in there to do the dirty work. Yeah, you know, that's right. Look, the whole thing's just a charade, that's for sure. People, but... Yeah, I guess there will be that bratty type of kid, you know, that'll they'll let in on it. But they probably won't take too much notice of them flagging. They've just got automatic flagging that'll pick it up anyway, surely. You know, why would they need people? It sounded very strange, didn't it, indeed? Uh, you know, when I... When... Uh, I think it was Houston Skywatch sent me that link, um, and he didn't even say anything. He said, just look at the meat of this clip. And I was about a minute in, and my jaw dropped open. Um, I watched it a couple times. I think I sent it to you the next morning, um, and I commented. I think you made a clip on it. I commented. But what was funny about that is YouTube disabled the comments on their own YouTube hero clip. And nonetheless, when I first saw it, there was something like 200,000 thumbs down. Within two days, it was already up to 700,000 thumbs down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think, you know, a lot of us do realise that, you know, and, and uh, yeah, it's still not enough people, but there is a, an army, a small army of people like you and me that even if they don't uh, come to the new coax party yet, they realise there's something uh, rotten in... Uh, China type thing, and YouTube is definitely, you know, rotten. Yeah, and, you know, th things like the new coax is so key and so foundational in my view. Um, and again, where I really started to zero in on it was way back when Anthony Bourdain uh, brought one of his friends and a film crew into Chernobyl and he was wearing a little x-ray badge. And so I went in and I took apart that episode and walked away understanding that it was all nonsense. And later when Fukushima happened, it took me about two seconds to recognize um, that it's just a land grab, I guess. I mean, because if you tell people this part of the world is now radioactive, you can do whatever the hell you want there. But I wanted to talk a bit about how found... Yeah. I wanted to talk well, a bit about how foundational that is. 
Well, let me just say about Fukushima, while I've got on my mind, you wouldn't believe the ad campaign that's running on Australian YouTube, and I'm sure it's not me getting it, it's a big glossy ad telling Australians to go ski at Fukushima. Fukushima ski resorts. Well, what, so wait a minute, why, why are they doing that? Isn't that whole area supposed to be radioactive? <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it, you know, that... And that's the name, plastered in big letters, comes across the screen like a psyop itself, you know, knowing. But you see, Australia's perception of it and America's, maybe they wouldn't be showing this in American YouTube, I don't know, um, exactly the same way, you know, because they've got you guys a lot more scared than Australians are of nuclear. Australians are real sort of laconic with nuclear. Oh, well, it couldn't be too bad, you know, sort of idea. They so try to sell us all that Maralinga stuff. I think um, some gut feeling in a lot of Australians is this, you know, I don't know about that, you know, it sounds a bit fishy somewhere. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to me because it almost sounds like what they're doing is putting out an ad trying to get people to buy into the fact that they could go ski there, but maybe it's actually just a way to measure to see if anyone will even go near the place. Yeah, I'm not sure. Haven't you seen the ad on American then yet? That's what, yeah, I should have said to you. No. Have you got it? You haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen anything like that. be interesting to know what they show us compared to what they show you, you know, a real study of what profiling goes on here, you know, to do with countries and what information. I do feel America seems to get less than, than, than maybe we do in certain ways. Well, the thing, about, uh, the thing about America is that it is the home of kind of worldwide entertainment, and we are probably the most entertained nation on the face of this world. Yeah, it's drowned out. The information's probably there somewhere, but you've got to look for it. We haven't, yeah, Australians are much probably more interested in um, funny politics too and looking behind the scenes for things maybe to a certain degree. So, I mean, for you guys, do you feel like all the Australians or the majority of Australians are down there coming home from work and then watching TV all night, every night? Do you think that's, do you guys live that way? Because that's how we live here. And not as many, see, as they used to be. Look, there's certainly, you know, a percentage of people that do this stuff. And they've been able to get to them. They might be watching um, more YouTube today, you know, in Australia would be big, I'd say. Um, especially, you know over 40s are, but then why wouldn't the younger people be probably a bigger market, you know, from what I, I can see. Uh, what? But yeah, Australia, Australia really likes the YouTube idea because we never had that many TV channels anyway, and we sort of hated TV. You know, it was a common thing here, oh, bloody TV, you know, when they give you their shits, you know. Uh, famous thing in Australia was at the Wild Water Sports on the weekends, they used to say, and up next we'll have this great surfing. And you'd watch nearly two to three hours of the wild water sports down to where they were showing you croquet. And 15 minutes to go before the end of the show, they put one bit of surfing on and that was it. This sort of thing, you know. God, man, I, I, I wish it was that way here. Um, we are so saturated uh, with television. Uh, you know, we live in a society in the United States that has been basically... The older generation, which is one of the biggest segments of the population, have just had the crap scared out of them. You know, they are so in fear of everything. And what's strange about it, 
is people never catch on, like the whole Zika Ebola thing. You know, they're scaring the old people with Zika and Ebola, and then a month later it's gone, and there is, you know, there's nothing has come of it, and they are on to the next thing. And this is how it goes here. It's just from one big scare to the next big scare, and the people are so kind of hypnotized by media and entertainment that they never catch on that it's all just a lie. Yeah, well, they are here too, but I must say, I think that there's a little bit of a wane in that in Australia, and I'm sure some uh, sentiment in parts of America too. Um, we were good, and then as you were talking, uh, the bottom just fell out of your end. I couldn't even hear you, but, I mean, do you even remember where we were? Oh, well, I was just saying, yes, yeah, some Australians have woken up, but I must admit, it's nowhere near enough, and woken up to what too, of course, you know? Then you have, uh, I've got one mate that sort of understands some things, but he's still lost in the David Icke sort of level, so, you know, and you can't get him out of it. Yeah, that, you know what, that, that is just killing me. Um, the Ike, the, uh, the Infowars, Alex Jones. Um, I get endless comments on, uh, on Crow 777 Radio of people saying things like, oh, Crow, you're, you're cut from the same cloth as Alex Jones. And it gets so frustrating because I don't know how many times I've said that if someone is on radio or TV and is talking to millions of people at once, that is a controlled gateway for information. That's all there is to it. You don't even really need to break down what's being said. And yet there are just endless people who still think because someone said alien or someone said some other conspiracy thing that they're getting good information when in fact they're just getting more nonsense. Oh yeah, the alien one really gets my gets me really angry actually because I've had a few people who are that lost in the alien one. This is the thing I've noticed, both with the nuclear one really being you know under the desk you go, then with the space and the alien bit, it's like people get really lost in it. And they start thinking they've seen them and they're going to be zoomed up in this, you know, a few people who are a little bit like that, you know. It's a bit like the way some people can get with religion to to a point, you know, like who are a little bit mentally unstable, you know, and they can go a bit crazy with things, you know. Well, I mean, let's go with that for a minute. The the alien thing, the thing that's always got me, which was the big tell, um, you know, I was out there filming uh, in 2012, and when I first started filming, I've always kind of imagined that it's hard to believe human beings are the only game in town. But as I started to film all these things, and at first I was open-minded, I said, I don't know what these things are, but as time went on, it became pretty clear to me that everything I ever filmed was almost certainly human technology. Um, but we still get, uh, like on American television, endless TV shows about Roswell. And the ridiculous thing about that is guys like me on YouTube have filmed things that are way more interesting than Roswell, but they never cover anything but Roswell, which is incidentally on the 33rd parallel, you know, on the map, um, and bent waters over in England. I mean, what, what do you see in Australia? How do they cover the whole alien thing there? Oh, well, they had just mirrored the shows from England and America, and we make up our own odd one. Over the years, they've had all those little documentaries on, you know, the people who get uh, snatched by them, for instance. They they have a show on that, you know, at 10 o'clock at night somewhere on one of the 
channels over the years. I haven't watched TV myself for 20 years, so <laughs> I, I can't really say where they're exactly at. But then don't forget, they have shows on TV that deal with a, alien abduction, like the X-Files type um, shows as well. So it's just a, an ongoing thing. But of course, that sticks up for the space lie, doesn't it? You know? Well, right. They, they even mixed it in, didn't they? You know, there's all that footage of the supposed lunar lander over the surface and there's little, you know, unknown lights going around. Um, it's... Yeah, shooters in the woods. I call all those things the shooters. Yeah, you know, get more. A few days, like when Sandy Hook happened, then two days later you start talking about, oh, but there were shooters in the woods and uh, graphic new footage shows this, you know. Where was that footage on day one, you know? What's going on here? But and then a week and twenty years later, new footage, you know. And the same with the alien thing, new footage. Remember those autopsies, the alien autopsies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Once I saw them, I thought, oh, hang on, you know. So yeah, I was onto the alien hoax for a lot of years because I had this mate that was nutty, and oh, that was. He used to hang around here back in '97 and eight, nine, into the early 2000s, sort of. And I was always saying, oh, "I don't know whether aliens exist, mate." You know, <laughs> at that time, gee, in later years, once I knew more and more about all this stuff, of course, um, but even before uh, YouTube or anything, just reading, you know, on um, blog sites about aliens and knowing that they were fake from that, you know, because there was already stuff on that. It was probably one of the first real hope, you know, thing that I was positive was a hoax. Well, you, and I've never really been happy with the moon either, I must admit, right? Well, you got to hear this then. Um, over here in the United States, one of the big, big alien shows that's been, I mean, it's like on its eighth season or ninth season now, is called Ancient Aliens. And they're pushing this idea that everything old in this world was put together by aliens or, you know, some... Oh, yeah, I know that show. Yes. YouTube, too, yeah. Well, you got to hear this. So, about a year ago, Prometheus, which is the production company that does that, contacted me when I was still in San Diego and wanted my footage, and but not the lunar wave, you know. So, I shot all these things, and you would think the lunar wave would be, you know, what they want, but that's not what they wanted. And they wanted me to come as a reoccurring guest. And uh, so as I talked with them, I looked at one of their contracts, and I just basically laughed. I laughed so hard as I was reading it, it ended the telephone call. But then, about three weeks ago, you just mentioned the alien autopsy footage. Fox yeah. Network, the guy who put that together, contacted me, and this time they wanted the lunar wave footage, and they wanted me to go on one of their shows, and I just basically told them, look, man, we live in different worlds. Um, I'm actually a real researcher, but it's funny. Um, they're, they're, like, trying to transition onto YouTube now to get, you know, interesting footage at least, but, man, they're like little bed bugs, aren't they? Yeah, but they'll somehow discredit it or do something when they, you, you know, you wouldn't want to be in bed with them, eh? No. That's happened, obviously, to that Freely and the Durian Rider uh, characters, you know? Though I do suspect they were bad from the word go. They were set in, actually up, but, you know, they certainly pretended to be good for a while and then went bad, you know, but uh, some others seem to have been corrupted, you know, they were okay and then it's hard to know which is which, whether they're sent in first to be okay eh, and then corrupted or just 
a reasonable person doing their thing and then they strike a chord somewhere with the powers that say, you know, we'll elevate that person if they follow this line. I think it's going to be more that most of them are created from word go. Well, but they would try and harness somebody who was talented and successful too, I guess, you know. Well, what's funny is there was, I think I've been contacted like four or five times now, um, three times when I was in San Diego a year or over a year ago, and then twice since I've been here. But one of the guys just contacted me through YouTube and wanted footage of like lights and blinking. Like I, you know, I don't know if you remember, I shot footage of like the whole moon kind of flaring up. Um, and this, this is what they offered me. They, they wanted to pay me $40 for every second of my footage that they used. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't ever consider it seriously because I know damn well what they'll do with it. They'll turn it into a lie, first of all. Um, and secondarily, they'll take any credibility that I ever managed to build up for myself over all these years. But then it occurred to me, you know, once they get that footage, what do they just pay you $40 a second, take five seconds, and then just keep replaying that five-second loop? Or you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, they, uh, they cannot be trusted. No. I nope. cannot be trusted, you know. No, I, I mean, I, <laughs> at this point, I just kind of laugh. And they all come through Facebook, by the way. Um, I just kind of laugh, you know, because what they try to do is get you interested with money. Well, first, they try to get you interested by being famous on TV. If that doesn't get you, then they try to get you interested with money. But what's funny, what the hell is $40 a second? So what, you know? <laughs> It, it's yeah. not. It's not like you're buying me a car or something. And even if you were, but I, I don't know. I just had to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they said, and they could loop five seconds. So here's your two hundred bucks, buddy. Yeah. Right. Right. And then, then probably you'll start seeing it on like five different shows, and they'd be like, "Well, we already paid for that." But that's that's not even what bothered me. What bothered me the most was is. I instantly flash back to myself sitting in front of a telescope for like eight hours a night sometimes to get this footage. And then the idea of them telling people, oh, this is aliens or this is some other lie where they just make something up. And it was just like, no way in hell. Not now, not never. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah you don't want that happening. I remember when you and Dave were really into that moon thing. And it was funny from there, we, um, you know, other people brought out the flat earth idea, you know, as the big thing, you know, came out. And then people have been able to say, oh, it's a psyop, because there were, you know, about four or five channels particularly put up just to bring that out. But it's just funny, it seemed to come after people started to look at the astronomy too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And as a matter of fact, one of the big names um, of the two big guys, Sergeant and... Uh, What's that guy's name in Thailand? Uh, Dubai, yeah. What's his name? Dubai. Yeah, Dubai. So Dubai and Sargent were somehow connected together, but I didn't, I wasn't, I don't really surf YouTube too much, and so people had told me that I was on the top ten shill list over at Dubai's um, website. So I went and looked finally, and sure enough, I was. I'd never met the guy. I'd never talked with the guy. I'd never even said anything one way or the other about Flat Earth or not Flat Earth. And what he had done is put me on a list and said that the Huffington Post had supported my work, therefore I was a shill. 
which on the face of it was a lie because what actually happened was Huffington Post ran some of my footage, got an FBI expert and the head of MUFON to say I didn't know what I was doing and these were clearly satellites, which, I mean, anyone could go back and look at the footage. I got an optics expert to demonstrate that that's not possible um, or these things would be like huge, massive objects up there. But anyhow, um, I think you're absolutely right. Those first two channels, the kind of DeBay and Sargent, just none of it felt right to me. No. And then they had, you know, the response squad. They're a funny bunch. And that with, like, Jeff C. And one called Red's Rhetoric. And they uh, brought out a guy called Five Red Pairs. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot more, you know. And everybody's real nasty to each other, too. That's the big trademark of it all, isn't it? Bro, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Absolutely. That was, you know, all that nastiness that sort of was emanating. I just saw it today on a thing. Some guy made a comment on a video, uh, one of my Diana videos, and, and he was uh, so nasty calling anyone who said that believes in Flat Earth is a retard. And I was about to make a comment to him, mate. The, just your attitude, that's what's wrong, you know, more than anything else, like that vicious attitude, you know. Whatever you, you're going to argue your point, you should be able to do it with a certain degree of decorum or something now, shouldn't you? Well, right, it's a little bit like the thought police, isn't it? You know, if you don't think like I think, then you're a problem, um, that, that whole kind of idea. But what's funny, um, that rhetoric channel or whatever it is that you just mentioned, when I started saying that rocket launches were fake, he came after trying to get me to come over to his website and debate him and all this other nonsense. And what was so ironic to me is why does anyone give a crap? If someone like me is saying this big corporation is lying, why do they start making all these videos to defend these multi-billion dollar corporations? I mean, on well, the... Well, getting paid. Yeah, <laughs> you know... All you had to see was that video where he went and said he witnessed the rocket launch, and all he'd done is use NASA footage and um, pretended to go there by revving the car up, remember, in the garage? Yep. Pretending to drive there, and then suddenly he had it cut to NASA footage. Oh, just, it, was, it was as bad as Max Egan's um, flight from Sydney to Santiago. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. That really rang bells with me. I thought, gee, they're going to quite, you know, not huge extremes, but they're going to some extremes here to establish that this flight is real. And then they had the John Travolta one that we saw. And there's been another video pop-up since, but it's only using a bit of Max Egan's footage, it seems, and maybe a bit of that other Chewy's footage. So that in itself has been very bad to me. Whatever anyone says, just the unreal bit of all that, you know? Okay, if this flight exists, where's the damn footage from just a person like you and me, say, type person? Someone we, you know, we can hopefully trust. Well, of course. <laughs> you know, you know, we can't trust Matt. Max Egan's just a known idiot, you know, and chill of chills. You know, he hangs out with that whoever, you know, Red Ice Radio style people. Yeah, what is it with the word red? What is it with red and these red and black logos on all these kind of sketchy channels? But to get back to what you were just saying, I've said... <laughs> it's a red thing, yeah. Yeah, it is a red thing for some reason. Um, well, I've, I've said for a long time... Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, the Masonic thing. And I think it might go back to that red dragon line idea with the snake in the eye, the red hair idea, you know. It seems to be, you know, a big thing amongst all royalty and, and celebrities and that there is a lot of that uh, funny eyes. We saw it with David Bowie and the red hair. So, And a lot of the names of, of people right through the ages, they, whether it's Roger or... Roberto, you know, there's the R thing is to do with royalty, isn't it, as well? So red associated with royal. Well, I saw you covering family names that, that actually had the meaning of red. Didn't you just do something on Cher not too long ago? On Cher? Yeah, didn't I see? Was it, was it you? Uh, me, but it would have been other people. Cher definitely means red, same as Chernobyl. I mean, yeah, it's funny you should say that about red's rhetoric and that other... It is amazing, eh? When you you can do just a whole video on just on red, you know, just the the use of the idea of red things, and then you know, then they're off to Mars, which is the red planet. Yeah, <laughs> and red dwarf, you know, endless TV shows, and um, oh, what's that? Uh, was a famous Midnight Oil album. Oh yeah, Australia. I know they what you're talking about. Arbor all. Red, red something in the sunset. Red sails in the sunset, remember? Yep. And it's got a picture of Sydney Harbour all, you know, nuclear attacked. What a shonk he was, man. That guy from that band, right, had this party called the Nuclear Disarmament Party. And all of us at the time were in our young 20s, you know, and we had followed him from, you know, when we were 18, 19, 20, and somewhere around 25 he's got this going, right? And we all went to his con. They had concerts around Australia, you know, all for this nuclear disarmament. And it was around the time of the Greenpeace Rainbow Warrior, really. You know, it might have been a little bit later, but you know, all in that same era, you know, overall. Amazing, eh? Yeah, it's crazy because. Well, you know, well we... was in, guess what? Oh, let me. That's going to say. Guess what? Same guy ended up in the Australian Parliament in the Labor Party here. Of course. Just somewhat equivalent to your Democrats Party. And um, suddenly he was sort of okay. And I'm going to put inverted commas, you know, range of uranium mine. Whatever's really going on there, who knows? Because I'm pretty sure that uh, all that uranium ideas, I don't know where it begins and ends, the whole fraud of it, but um, glowing rocks and everything. Yeah, I just don't like it. Well, that's an, that's an... It came out of a science fiction movie in the 1920s or something. They made it real. Well, that's an interesting idea that you just brought up because I have been considering um, the table of elements, you know, that everyone uses. So gold, silver, I think uranium's one of the elements on that. But when you start getting up into the old Masonic beliefs, they always use the elements earth, wind, fire, water, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's something more basic than what they're... They're trying to make it more complicated. Right. Yeah, I think there could be something in that, too. Yeah, there's I... certainly basic things, like there's copper, isn't there? And there's, you know, there's so many of them you can sort of say, well, that exists to some degree, you know? But then once you start getting up in the numbers there, and some of those numbers were very dubious. The way it is, uranium is Uranus. <laughs> and then what's the next one was Neptunium and then... Um, Einsteinium? <laughs> what, what about, like, Einsteinium? <laughs> there, there is such, is there? 
uh, I got to look it up real quick. It's either like, it's one of those ones, Einsteinium or Newtonium or something like that. I know. I got to look it up. The average person's never going to see in their lives. We've got to trust the guy in the white coat that says he plays with them. And as we know, that same guy's going to tell us that, you know, when we go to Mars. So, Oh, here you go. Um, there's Berkelium, Californium, Einsteinium. <laughs> oh. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. I think we've got, we've, I'm still, look, I haven't had a chance to really um, get in and, you know, review all that stuff in my head from when I learned it at school, etc. you know. It's I, been a long time, so. I think you're right. I think it's a way to make a very complex thing to deal with, Um you know, when you look at even today in like places like Tibet, they're still using the basic four earth, wind, fire, you know, water. They're still using that in all their traditions. And um, in the episode I just did where there was a supposed highest Masonic text in the 1800s made it into a reverence hands. Um, and he tried to out the Vatican for all the kind of Masonic mischief they were up to. Um, he pointed out that even the passwords at the highest levels were based on uh, on four basic elements: earth, wind, fire, water. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, wow, you know, where does this uh, lie finish, man? That's what I'm starting to get to now. What else can we look at? You know, I guess we're running out of things to look at because we've already gone through such a field of lies. There couldn't be any more, could there? I think we've done them all. <laughs> it, it, we do the periodic table in, like, and certain. But the thing that needs to be done now is some lady did send me some pictures from Egypt. Because the other th- big thing is the ancient history hoax too. You know, as in, what is the real history? And it's you know probably going to be impossible to find out actually. <laughs> but certainly there seems to be quite a lot of fabrications that. Uh, they seem to have done to um, create, you know, some sort of pseudo-history, no doubt, you know? Well, it was funny because you and I had talked about this. You know, we just met a few days ago on Skype for the first time. I mean, I've been following you since before I even had a YouTube channel. But we were talking, and what was funny, what I remember about that conversation, is I had kind of drawn a line at about 1600 and the idea of the Dark Ages as being significant in false history, and you had kind of come to similar conclusions. Oh, definitely. That, that's, you know, I'm only thinking now how, like, I was reading something there about Beatty or whatever, you know, the monk, and he was back in 400 or something, and then you've got people in 1400 writing the same sort of things. It was a thousand years between Beatty and, say, Da Vinci for a name, you know? Yep. Uh, by official history, and that really, you know, I don't know about that. Eh? I think there's something really wrong there. And what shows that, of course, is Colosseum. That we can see that that looks like it's just not as old as they say at all. So the so-called Roman Empire, what really was it, you know? It has been fabricated up, you know, by a Roman state of a later time and it had to give itself an older history to uh, give itself more credibility. Well, you know, one of the funny things you run into with history real quick is take someone like Shakespeare. So supposedly Shakespeare, you know, 
set the foundation for all literature, you know, all these storylines that he came up with, you know, and, and all these other things, but they don't know anything about him, who he was. I mean, there's all these gaps in the history of that man. And what, when I start to look back at history, it almost feels to me a bit like entertainment where you're looking at character actors simply changing their name, changing their costume, and changing their storyline, and playing multiple roles. I mean, do you ever get a sense of things in that way? Yeah, yeah, I definitely. It, it, I can't discount anything you say there, but then I can't verify. I, the problem is, yeah, we're faced with until somebody really gets down somehow and scratches around doing a new sort of archaeology based <laughs> on better principles, and that's probably only going to get somebody arrested in a heap of places. Uh, yeah, we're really at a gas to, to exactly pinpoint. But I would say that there has definitely been um, some of these sort of changeover in, in a, a crown, you know, a name, and really it was the same guy, and he just a new name. That's real possible, definitely. All right, well, let's. I, I want to do a crossover here. Let's shake a few people up real quick. Um, and I'll preface what I'm about to ask you. By telling everyone listening, um, if you have an open mind, now's a good time to use it. Uh, Surfer, let's talk about dinosaurs. Yeah. You did yeah, a... definitely a hoax. Yeah, created by the monarchy there, you know. And that's that's documented, or Albert, you know. Can you talk about some of the early work you did on dinosaurs? Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, when I saw it first coming out a bit as a hoax, it was just a few vague videos. Uh, there was this girl doing a couple, you know, and she wasn't really to the point, you know what I mean? Um, and a lot of people would probably think, oh, she's just, you know. So I thought, no, but there's something in this, and I'll look a bit harder. And um, I thought, let me see where these things first uh, originated, because it was something I said at school to teachers. I said, you know, these seem seem to have occurred in the last, you know, so many hundred years. I seem to know then. <laughs> Just maybe I, I had knowledge of when they, maybe the teacher had even said, you know, first discovered here and then. I can't think now. But I just was asking why the so-called, and now we're going to call them the so-called um, ancient Greeks and ancient Romans and uh, why even middle-aged middle age, uh, people, you know, in the Italian states or even in England or France, uh, where's the lack of, you know, a history of, of these things? Why do they just seem to pop up? And they had some strange excuses for that, you know, that they're all in faraway places, hard to get to, and that's because all the land where we are now is all newer, and uh, you can only find them where there's exposed bits of the older earth, you know? Well, what's funny about the dinosaur thing is I had never really thought about it until you had made a video on it. And so, like so many of the things you talk about, I had to go out and test it on my own, independent of anything you had said. Mm -hmm. And what I began to find was, first of all, there were numerous sources claiming that there is no real dinosaur skull in any museum anywhere in this world. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And then as I started to get into it more... Um, it became pretty clear that almost every skeleton you see anywhere is like this silicone replica that they've made. And while even today I have not gone back to see if it is true that no real dinosaur skull exists anywhere, um, 
have you done any work in that direction? Uh, what was that again? What was the question again? Exactly so the, the idea that there is no real dinosaur skulls on display anywhere or oh, in... yeah, the, the skeletons. Yeah, you had me in that train of thought. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I've said. The, uh, you've seen those different pieces of work done where people have gone to museums and asked them about the skeletons and they all say, oh, they're all replicas and all that. So once you start seeing that and I can, we've got them in Sydney here and we were taken as kids. And when I first saw a few of those things too, it really, um, I already already knew they were hoaxes by then. It would, it would have been a year in when those different people started getting out. That really cemented it to me that, yeah, there's just no way these things existed because you just saw the propaganda of all that. These million-dollar buildings they build and everything's under glass. Well, why can't they put the real things there? You know, why have they got to hide them away? Well, they came out with a story. Um, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but there was actually a story out for a while that all the T-Rex bones were so radioactive that they had to be painted with like a lead-based paint or something. Do you remember this at all? Oh, no, but that sounds a bit Huffington Post too, doesn't it? But that still would be leaked by the official sources to be put in the Nexus media and all that, because they still know it carries a powerful clout, you know. There's people who are right into dinosaurs are also into Nexus, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the minute that I saw that, I began looking, and that's yeah. really when it all became very clear yeah, to me. Made, that made you aware, because you're already aware it's a fraud, and then you've seen these shoes in the wood story. Just layer stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's to... And ties in, of course, with our radiation hopes. Of course. And, of course, dinosaurs are extinction event, which, um, you know, the nuclear is also, you know, got a lot of those ideas. So they just fit together so well, eh? And we noticed that studios make um, dinosaur movies like Jurassic Park and then they make movies like sort of Independence Day, Day or oh, the day after tomorrow is what the one I should think of there more, but space nukes and dinosaurs. Yeah, full full spectrum programming. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, but even the whole dinosaur thing backs up the whole Darwin idea. You know that we came from monkeys, and before that we were you know a little tadpole in a in a pond somewhere. You know it backs up that whole line of kind of preformed schooling that we all get. Yeah, yeah, well, they had to have some explanation. I guess that's humans just want to know, oh, look, where do we come from? And really, we just can't really answer, can we, you know? Um, only the elite have told us, you know, they've got old books that tell us, you know, we were made in a few days out of dust. And then they've got another story that says we were made in... built billions of years out of dust <laughs> uh, in a sense too so you know and you're just left somewhere in the middle in the end you, you know neither really sticks properly with you does it you know? no and it tells us something important doesn't it how is it possible that there are millions of people living on a world that have no idea how they got here how long they've been here or what they're supposed to be doing and I've said for a long time 
if secret societies have any information that is actually valuable beyond controlling populations, wouldn't that be the kind of information that they would have to be holding? Yeah, that that may be possible, yeah. Or maybe they're just told in the other ideas, they don't know either that they've just created a whole sort of tabernacle of um, deception to make us think they know. So there's another one for you, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you just your head starts to spin because, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm pretty That's open. That's why Dave went to the Philippines. I think he realised in the end, <laughs> and he's at least comforted. He's got a very spiritual belief of uh, Jesus out of you know, not so worldly. You know, he's not living in the uh, wanting the Armageddon tomorrow because he's going to be lifted up in a chariot type ideas, which well, that's a power. Thing in America too. Yeah, totally. And and what's crazy is, um, you know, Dave said something to me before he left. Uh, he said, "I'm not here to tell you how to fix the problem because the problem <laughs> can't be fixed." He says, "I'm here to tell you it all needs to be destroyed. That's the only way." <laughs> yeah, I, I can see his point of view, but it, that you know, that seems nihilistic in itself too, doesn't right, it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, you do get like that, so you just got to keep your chin up and live the best you can, and and that that will make some people angry then, because a lot of people want you to start joining the Jesuits nearly and walking around like some sort of um, Nazi for the, whatever, you know, department of belief they're in, like whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, if you're not a witness, you're going to hell, and then there's the SDA, well, you better be one of them, you know? Right. And so many beliefs are like that too, you know, and compromise isn't possible. And that's the biggest laugh, eh? They all want everybody to believe like them, but then everybody hates the idea of if everybody did, then it'd be one world order, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I mean, we can kind of... No, but don't, you must admit that's a contradiction, isn't it? Of course it is. And not only that, it's programming of the highest level, but I mean... You and I can logically set down a foundation right now, I think, that demonstrates to people there is absolutely a reason to hope and absolutely a reason not to be so kind of sad and unhappy and mad about all this. And this is how I get there. If they... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what I, I would say to him. Once you know that anything you could ever get out of YouTube, I mean, when it comes to any, most things, you're only going to end up dazed and confused. But if one thing you can come away with is knowing that the president can't push a button and turn you into dust in seconds, right? that's a huge one. Well, more, that, more, that, more, that than, more than that, though, Surfer, because if we just simply logically look at this... If there was lots of violence and hatred in the world, there would be no need for them to manufacture it. And yet we see all this fake news. Right now in America, the race war, Black Lives Matter is a big one. All the fake shootings. You see, what this tells us is that this world is actually a lot more peaceful than we have been led to believe, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, So that, that tells the average person that... You know, being mad and upset and feeling like they have to give up is just a psychological operation, isn't it? They've been convinced that this place is violent, that people hate each other, when in fact, the, the powers that be are inventing all this BS. 
All right, that's it for the first hour of episode 26 with the Jungle Surfer. Um, the rest of it's going to be posted on crow777radio.com. Uh, for membership, and uh, we cover some very interesting things. And one of the topics that has been just a firebrand over on the Surfer's Channel is the idea of what he has called a transvestigation. When I first saw the idea that these elite bloodlines were actually playing with gender and we were looking at stars that appeared to be a woman that were actually a man, and the whole thing was just, I couldn't recognize it at first, but... I understood enough that it seemed like something that would likely be done. So I went out and began to test it on my own. And uh, I found it right away within 15 minutes or so in the Mike Tyson mystery show where Mike Tyson's daughter is a girl named Young He and is treated as a boy constantly. That was the first example. And of course, as I've mentioned so, so many times, I went back to one of the sex symbols of the 80s, Bo Derek. Um, and Bo means boy, and Jungle Surfer tells me Derek means dick in uh, in Australia. So, um, well, there's a whole story there. Uh, if you if you want to catch up, head over to crow777radio.com because we cover a lot more than just the whole idea of bloodlines protecting the purity of their blood by playing gender games. So there it is. Cheers. Cheers.